It's time to rethink everything, to redo the rule book, to explore smarter ways to work and rediscover what's possible. It's time for a fresh take on how technology and creativity are changing the way work gets done. I'm Brian Rowley, and this is The Big Rethink. Whether it's at a church, in a classroom, or even at an immersive art show, audiovisual technology, also known as AV technology, is built into each and every one of our daily lives. But people don't always think about how projection, display, professional video, or even audio makes these experiences come to life. So how do we tell the story behind the scenes and show people how this technology truly impacts what they are seeing? Today's episode on The Big Rethink, we speak with Alicia Henley, aka The Smooth Factor. She is a content creator, multimedia journalist, AV industry professional, and even hosts her own podcast, The Crash Pad. Uh, she'll st- share her stories on how she stumbled into the AV industry and developed a passion for telling the stories behind some of the most innovative technologies and immersive AV experiences. Alicia, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian. Thanks for having me. I am so excited that you're joining us today. You know, you and I first met at the CODA Summit, which we can get into, but I mean, really cool event, right? Focusing on all the exciting ways that creative professionals sort of incorporate technology into art installations and the like. But, you know, there you and I sort of realized that we sort of have this shared passion for storytelling. So I'm excited that we actually have the chance to actually continue this conversation here. So, so really, really psyched for you to be here. Uh, likewise, so, likewise. Yeah. <laughs> so before we dive in too far, um, you know, you have so many touch points within the AV industry today, and I- I'm hoping you can share with our listeners sort of how you got started and a little bit about sort of what you're up to today. Because I-, I think, you know, in the short conversations and the couple of conversations you and I have, I was like fascinated. So I, I would love for our audience to experience what I experienced when we did it in person. Yeah, well, well, thanks, Brian. Um, Long story short, I guess I'll put it, is my first initial start was in my dad's church, you know, running audio at a very young age. And I was the only one in the city that had access to, like, the soundboards, the speakers, like, everything. Just put it in a case, roll it, and go. So then I would bring it to the high school parties, you know. I was like, okay, Alicia does this kind of stuff. And um, when I got out of high school, I figured um, we ended up moving down from Connecticut to Houston. And I did we didn't know anybody. So it's not like I could go to the churches and help consult and like things like I was doing back home. It was kind of starting from, like, ground zero. And everybody was telling me to go to school. And I was like, what? There's school for audio? Like, how could this even be a thing? Uh, <laughs> so at that time, there was a couple of schools. There was, like, Art Institute. Um, there was a school called Media Tech Institute. And then, of course, there was, like, the Full Sail route. And I was like, well, I don't have that much money. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead with the Media Tech Institute route. It's not a four-year p- program, but it's a one-year program where you get certified in audio and engineering. Um, and then when I got out of that program, I was an audio engineer with nobody to record because it was very focused on music. Like you had to find bands to record and things like that. And uh, so that's how I kind of stumbled into the pro AV world, got on Craigslist, typed in audio engineer, see if there's any jobs on there. <laughs> and I found the hotel section of, of our of our industry. Um, I did that for a while, you know, did the grunt work, load ins, load outs. And I was like, OK, I'm never going to go on tour because I don't even like traveling around the city. You know, <laughs> like that, I knew that wasn't going to be for me. Uh, so I got into a, a in-house position 
at a multi-purpose uh, facility down in uh, Houston, Texas, and it was owned by one of the like third richest school districts in the state. Uh, so they had this huge facility. It had like a stadium, conference center, the arena, and a theater. And of course, it was built for all of the you know schools to come in and put on their ballets and proms and commencement seasons and football games. You know, ESPN was pulling up with their trucks because high school football is this big thing in Texas. Uh, so there was really where I was able to uh, take my audio skills and grow them to basically a multimedia scale right it was no longer just audio for me it was digital signage it was content uh it was lights it was like it was just this full production and i was like all right so what else can i do with this i hit a pay cap and i was like okay so obviously i'm not gonna tech the rest of my life what can i do and then that's when i found kind of that space of infocom and i was like all right so if i tell the story about how i'm using all of this high-end gear because i worked for a school district like my boss would just cash out you would have to spend you know we had so much money to spend each year and if you didn't spend it then they take it away and use it somewhere so we were just buying all of this insane gear so i started blogging about it uh creating video content about it and that not only caught the the eyes of end users that we sell to, but also, you know, publications and manufacturers, because everybody loves when you get word of mouth from somebody who actually uses the product. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. So I went to Infocom and I figured out we um, in AV haven't told our story very well of what we do in our industry. So I was like, well, if everybody's talking about tech specs, maybe I can tell the story of our industry by highlighting the experiences. So that's where all the content creation comes from, from the video to the blogs um, to, I don't know, my sticker sheets. Any piece of me is me trying to tell a story of what our industry does opposed to selling the tech specs of what our technology actually does, if that makes sense. Because uh, I guess the average Joe or average person, average Josephine, whatever you want to call it, you know, they, they don't really care about uh, how many pixels or how bright something is. They want to know. Why is it important to the experience they're trying to create? So when I approached um, my job and my content creation from that point of view, then it became like this snowball effect of telling the story of AV, not only to get end users to buy what I'm selling, but also to create a pipeline for people like that are you know in places where I come from that we don't even have an idea that this industry exists. <laughs> so it's it's like a two a double edged sword there for me. Well, it's interesting in the in the concept of, you know, we all look to what how, how does technology make or change the way we view something? And to your point, those tech specs, you know, yes, to those that are in the industry and truly understand them. Yes, that those are important. And there are elements to that that we don't want to minimize. But at the same time, as people are looking to transform, you know, a vision or, you know, as in the example of Coda Summit, looking at new canvases to potentially tell a story on, those are the things that are really impactful. That really moves people. That really gets the wow factor. That really gets people to stop and say, 
wow, I didn't think that that could be done in the way that it was done. So I think, you know, brilliant on your side, obviously, um, to be able to acknowledge that that's the way to do it. But I will tell you, one of the things that really stuck out for me is as we were preparing for this podcast, and I want to read this because this was really important to me when I was doing a little bit of research on you. By the way, fantastic videos. I know you love to dance. I know all of those things about you now. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary, but you describe yourself on, I believe it was on the crash pad you had said, as a young professional, I am always finding ways to bring AV, creatives, and creative vision together in the effort to leave my mark by making an impact and not just an impression. To me, I was like, she's nailed it. Um, because, <laughs> Great. I, you know, but, but I think, you know, kudos to you because that's what we're here to do, right? It's about the impact. It's in, impactful moments that are really what differentiate people specifically in this business. But being able to communicate that and being able to tell that story, very few are actually capable of doing it, which is why, as I said at the beginning, you and I like hit it off right away because I think you actually pointed to a piece of technology and you said, I don't really care about that. And you pointed down to what was being projected from that and you were like, that's what I care about. So. I mean, amazing. And I'm just curious, like, what got you there? Like, how did you make that? Because that's a big acknowledgement to be able to say, I want to make an impact, not just in person. Like, how did you get there? So I got there originally because, like, I was an end user, right? I ran audio for majority of my career. And there's nothing better than being behind a soundboard and you're running a show or a concert and you could just feel everybody so into that performance. You could feel that artist captivating people. And I'm legit just sitting at a board with goosebumps, right? At this point, I'm like, yes, this is it. And nobody noticed what, you know, the portion of what I was doing in that performance, right? Because I'm the person who sits in the back, you know, in all black and you don't notice me unless something's wrong. And I was like, okay, how do I make an impact and become more a part of the story that the artist or the presenter or, you know, this art gallery or I started looking at it from the bigger picture to being a part of the performance instead of trying to be like, oh, look at this cool board. Yeah, it does really cool things. But I couldn't tell my mom what I did. Like she she understood it because I've been doing it for so long. But when she sees the performance, that's what captivate, you know, captivates people. And that's what gets people excited. So I wanted to be, I wanted to be, um, I was like, if I can figure out how to tie in everything that I do into an overall performance that captures people and makes people feel things, then, then that's the impact, right? You don't necessarily have to see me in the back, but you feel that impact. You feel that story and you're fully immersed in that. And that's things that I want to be a part of, not only from a technical perspective, but as a person, right? Like when COVID happened, we were stuck in the house. The first thing I went to uh, out of lockdown was the Van Gogh exhibit. Why? Right? Why, why did people start going to that in the middle of, oh, this whole COVID thing that we had no idea? Right? People wanted to be a part of something. They didn't go because they're like, oh, there's projectors there. <laughs> right? The, the, average people, the average person is not like, oh, yes, the coolest projectors are there. I got to go see these freaking projectors. Right? No, they went because it looked like an experience that would change their lives and make them excited and they were going to be a part of something bigger than themselves. That's what I want to be a part of. That's how I make it. You know, that's things that make an impact. Uh, so and our technology does play into that. Right. The projectors, uh, the soundtrack, it all needs 
the moving parts of our industry, but we can't focus on just selling the hardware. We need to sell the experience because that's that's the impact. Well, and all of, sorry to interrupt you, but, and all of those elements, right, that make Mm -hmm. that happen, right? So so people lose sight of that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Exactly. They don't notice it until something goes wrong, right? And, and how do, how do we, how do we showcase these, all of these moving parts um, to highlight the impact that they feel? And it's like, oh, you really enjoyed that, you know, that exhibit, right? Well, that's ran by this whole industry. You know, I work for a company that sells these speakers or I work for a company that sells those projectors. And then it gets a light bulb on like, oh, wow, there's a whole industry like, you know, like it just it just sparks interest in a different way. And I think that's where the impact exists for me. Well, and the other thing, for, you know, obviously, there's so many great things that you've done, which is why we wanted to have you be a guest on our show. But in addition, you know, as we as we look at this, you know, obviously, the name of our podcast, The Big Rethink, is is forcing people to rethink the way things are being done. And I think it's fair to say for a very long time, the AV industry itself has focused primarily on the techno- the technical side, right, of technology. And, you know, I, I think when we look at it with all that you do, right? You know, I'm just curious, how are you working to sort of change the way that we talk about the AV industry as a whole? You know, I mean, there's plenty of people that are out there that are going to continue to talk about it with techs and specs, but I know you specifically, you know, are out there to change that. So talk to us a little bit about some of the work that you're doing and and and, and how you're trying to change that. Yeah, so I content I lead with content first you know and mm-hmm. and that's kind of the difference between like an NAB and an Infocom right NAB embraces content we on the Infocom side are just now starting to get it like even at this past year you see more of the virtual productions you saw more content being involved um, and I think NAB does a really great job of incorporating stories and content creators to highlight the products and that's how that's that's how I approach it I always talk about the content like what story are we telling here and I think that's what led me to really draw and lean into Panasonic Connect it was like okay not only do they get the technology but they work with people and appreciate the content because the content is driving the story so the customers uh, I guess my clients that I work with within the space we're always looking at okay what story are we trying to tell what content are we going to develop and then we bring the technology into it right because we don't want the technology to be right in your face. We want it to wow you, but the we want the entire story to wow you. So when I'm working with my clients, it's always a content-driven type of thing. What, are, what story are we trying to tell? And then we create that, and then we u- utilize the technology to build the story out from there. The technology becomes like a canvas, and you, you know all about that. You guys use so many different canvases and partner with so many different artists to make you know, to make this whole experience come to life. And that's the same thing that I do um, from a content creation point and trying to tell the story of a brand because B2B kind of is hard sometimes, right? <laughs> it's a very, it's a very hard to tell the stories. Um, so that is definitely what I lead with. How are we going to create content that really takes this piece of technology and level it up to where anybody can understand what it does? Yeah. And I think educating, you know, the artist community as a whole on there really are no limits. When you look at the side of a building and you can say to someone that could be your canvas or that sidewalk or that body of water or, you know, all of these elements. I mean, even just look at House of Worship. You mentioned that sort of where you started. 
Look at the experience in House of Worship now versus probably when you started in in, in doing this initially, right? Um, it's changed so much. So I guess, you know, what are some of the ways that 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 those individuals or, or, or people who are sort of in charge of those sort of uh, either institutions, House of Worship, whatever the case may be, what are some things that you can share that, you know, might help them in terms of being able to capitalize on that and being able to really focus on that customer experience? You know, let me back up for a second, because you mentioned B2B is is challenging, right? So, and it is. And one of the things from a marketing perspective, I think that we have found is we can't just push our message to somebody. We have to make sure that we're relevant and we're relatable. And I don't think that's just in the B2B space. I think that's no, no. everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah, it's got so, everywhere. So 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 how do we capitalize? I mean, how do we use technology to sort of help capitalize on that customer experience and, and sort of tell the story that sits behind the technology? I'm curious for your thoughts on that. And when you say the story behind the technology, like how it operates, like and why it matters, why it's important to have this in place, I guess you're yes. saying. Yeah. Yeah. Um so case studies is one of the biggest things, right? And it's it's one of the hardest things to get to for like manufacturer companies. Case studies, NDAs, there's all this secret stuff in place. Um, so when somebody has an idea, I kind of, I'm like, well, why are you trying to do this? Right. And then they tell me the why. And then I can, I can bring that technology into it. And then I could say, okay, this is your options. And this technology can play into it because it falls into your why. Instead of it falls into your space or this screen will look really great on this wall, right? <laughs> because it's just a big wall, right? We lean in, we lean into the why and then I can showcase technology that also falls into their why because that's what gets people excited, right? Not the biggest screen because it might not address their initial why or their initial purpose or their mission. When you can tie the technical background into their direct mission, then it's like you see them I don't know, kind of get like the hard eyes, <laughs> hard eye emoji in their in their face, right? You, it, it has to be relatable, even from a product perspective. And sometimes that's really hard because we're really technical on this side and having to break that down and showcase what makes sense um, is, a, is another story within itself. <laughs> that's a, it's another story that you have to tell within itself for sure. And, and do you find people are receptive to that conversation or is there a hesitancy or, you know, because I, you know, your tell your why I think is a great way to look at it. We look at it from a pain point perspective, right? Help understand sort of the pain points that you're trying to solve for versus the tactic in order to get there. Let us understand what the pain is. And then, you know, we as an organization have a responsibility to help show you how to solve that pain point. So it's your why right. it's the exact, you know, yep. relationship that you're mentioning, but overall are people receptive or is there a hesitancy? Uh, I think there is still a hesitancy and I think it's mostly from like a budget perspective. You show people this really big, wow, wow technology. And they're like, Oh, I can't afford that. Especially if they're artists too, like artists, um, we need to learn to respect their craft a little bit more and embrace them a little bit more. Um, and I think you all at Panasonic Connect have done really well of merging those two fields kind of together because artists might not have the budget to pay for the biggest, latest and greatest projector, but they can create something really amazing that fits into the technology. So I think the hesitant 
uh, side of it comes from a budget sometimes. They're kind of like, oh, wow, this must cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, but initially, the more you simplify it for them, the easier it is. So I, I think it's a cycle, right? It's a cycle. It's hesitant. And then it's like, this makes sense. And then it's like, this actually plays into the mission, to the dream that I'm trying to um, implement. And then it's like a then it's like a light bulb. Yeah. So there's, and, and there's steps, think, there's phases. Yeah, I think it also is, it's not always about the big moments. It's sometimes mm-hmm. just maximizing the small moments that really right. are, you know, because everybody always thinks I have to create this huge moment. No, you really just need to create no. an unexpected moment. And Ooh, I, I like think that. that's what people actually really tend to gravitate towards, right? It's the unexpected piece that, that is really what gets people. Would you agree? Yeah, I do agree. That's why I said I like that. I like that perspective because it doesn't always have to be this big, grand gesture. That's a great quote. I'm going to have to steal that one, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I'll let you you take that one. (laughs) But I mean, if we look at this on a bigger scale, I mean, why... You know, I know I have my reasons why, you know, we need to rethink the way we tell the story. But, you know, there are businesses that have been doing and telling the story one way for years on end. Why now do you think it's so important to rethink the way this story is being told? Because nothing is the same and nothing is ever going to be the same. You know, honestly, like there was so much tragedy in COVID, but I feel it's exactly what our industry needed. Like... We can't just push boxes anymore. It has to be complete solutions because people are look like you can legit do anything from your home. Like I don't ever have to leave my house for anything. I can grocery shop. I can buy clothes. I can play my video games with people on the other side of the world. I can watch my favorite artists on television. Like I can even watch the latest movies pretty much on my TV right from the comfort of my couch. So why, <laughs> you know, like, why do I have to go out and do anything else? And that's that's a part of this transition. We have to rethink legit everything because nothing is the same. So there was a lot of tragedy with COVID, but it shook up the way we all do business and not just the AV industry, right? It, it shook our entire world. So it's like a wake-up call. We can't continue to do things the way we've always done them just for the sake of continuing to do things the way we've always done them, right? We've We've got to innovate and move with the rest of of the business and the rest of technology, you know, <laughs> like, I th- and I think now is the time to really embrace that. And you've kind of seen the companies that have embraced the way they've always done things have a lot of issues if they haven't already died off in this two, three year pre- period. So, yeah, you have to. It's kind of like you have to change or, or you're going to you're not going to be able to hang on anymore. Yeah, I think we've seen that. I think, I, I, although I will tell you that I do get nervous um, when you have certain conversations in certain areas where people have this desire to get back to the way things were prior to the pandemic. Um, and I'm pretty vocal about this because I, I always say, I'm not sure that should be our goal. Like we, we need to get to a point to say, the reality of it is not everything was perfect prior to the pandemic. And why would we want to get to a non-perfect state? Not to say that where we're at today or what moving forward is perfect, but to your point, I think one of the things that the pandemic did was it actually forced not only companies, but us as individuals to get more creative in the way in which we look at things, the way and the emphasis that we put in what areas 
And we also learned that there were some really bad practices that we have been doing <laughs> that we probably should migrate away from completely. But it scares me, honestly, because some people continue to look at this and, and go back to say, well, we used to do it this way, but okay, why? Right. right that, that's right. sort of the, the piece. Why? So. Back to the why, right? Like, why? why did we do it this way? Are we doing it this way? And why should we continue it this way? Like, if we're going to stay the same, why? Why? Why should we continue to do it this way? And I think that's a, that's everything. Everybody's like, why? 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 And I think it's because, you know, the future has just created so many eye-opening moments to where everyone is looking at everything differently. And I think we have to do it the exact same thing in business. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I, I, I'm curious, you know, as I mentioned, you're, you're out there, you're in front of a lot, you see a lot of technology. I'm curious from your perspective, what industry learnings or trends um, should we be watching out for um, and looking forward to seeing? Like, what are some of the cool things that you're seeing that are out there that have really impressed you? That's a big one. That's a big one. And honestly, yeah. for like the last four years, I've been riding with the, you know, artificial intelligence and kind of AI because it was playing into what we're doing with sensory so much. Um, yeah. And it also played into a lot of issues that were happening um, in the world, like people, you know, the, the police are using, you know, facial recognition and mistaking people for other people. Like, so I've been like really full blown into like the AI and facial recognition and things like that. And I'm very interested to see how it develops within our space, the more like because a lot of our clients, right, for like corporate settings, they don't have people at the desk anymore. There's a computer that you walk up to and sign into or talk to, right? How is AI going to play into that? How are we going to integrate that into our solutions to up the experience for our clients? Uh, so that's that's one I've been watching for a while, and I, I got to stick beside it because it's it's really the future. I think we're not even scraping the surface of it uh, for a lot of things, uh, but it is it's. It's going to be big, especially in digital signage, in my perspective. And, you know, that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, it, it's an interesting and I would love to have you come back and talk a little bit about some of your learnings in that, because we actually have done a podcast on AI. And, you know, there's a lot of hesitancy, I think, around mm -hmm. AI, because quite honestly, AI can be very scary if in the wrong so hands. Scary. Yes. So scary. So scary. However, that said, there's also an, an amazing side to AI. Uh, from a creative can, standpoint. From a creative yes. standpoint and from an experiential standpoint, right? How do you create and make that more personalized experience? I think if we could focus our energies AI in that direction, I think sky's the limit. And we the wow factor would definitely be there. So we are definitely going to bring you, you back. Me. We, could, <laughs> we, could, we could each other, Brian. I knew the second we saw each other, we just hit it off. Like we, we definitely get each other because that creative side of what's coming with AI, like we're blown away by like the digital artists that are doing, you know, and basically the ones that you work with, you know, and the, and the things that they're creating right now with digital content and projecting it all over the place and telling stories. Imagine what's going to happen when they start incorporating those into those digital pieces. Like we've already seen it in airports where they're capturing like real time data and it's just like this flowy kind of translucent kind of thing on a, on a screen. But imagine, imagine in like seven, 10 years, like, oh, like it's gonna it's so scary but it gets me so excited like i legit get, i get legit get like goosebumps talking goosebumps. about this sometimes yeah because it's 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 so um it's so powerful
Well, and going back to your sort of, you know, it, it's that impact, right? Yes. AI yes, will an make an impact. It oh, will yeah. make an impact on the way in which we live our lives completely. And there's so many amazing elements to that that, you know, again, we're going to we're going to have another conversation um, and, and we'll definitely come back and cover that one. I thank you so much for your time today. This has been awesome. I appreciate uh, you spending time with us and, and I wish you nothing but the best. You're an amazing individual and uh, I'm really glad we had this opportunity. Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate it. I'm so glad we met, especially in a setting like uh, the CODA Summit, where there was just a group of individuals who get it, right? Not only the hardware, but not only the software, but the art, right? They, It was just people there that get the impact. And that's the people I need to be around. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, this Every time I talk to you, I get so excited. So thanks. This was a good way to uh, give me a boost midday. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Before we sign off, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can help us grow by visiting our feed on iTunes to rate, review, and subscribe. Or if you're listening on Spotify, be sure to hit follow. And don't forget to check out Alicia's podcast, The Crash Pad. That's it for us. I'm Brian Rowley, and that was another episode of The Big Rethink.